All right. Test one. Am I on? Can you hear me? You can hear me. Catch. It's good to see everyone out tonight. Let's all stand together all over the house tonight. We'll stand and sing Let's Talk About Jesus. So good to see all the little kids here tonight and teachers as well. Thank you for participating. We'll give Miss Lisa. I didn't give her a warning, did I? <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. But uh, so it's so good to see everyone out tonight. And I appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. You doing good, buddy? All right, then. I got ghosted. <laughs> Here we go. Let's sing. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is he, the Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, just for a time to come back to your house. God, we just ask you to be in the Iwana classes tonight. We'll be with each and every teacher. God, as they open up the Word of God, and Lord, teach these young children about the things of God. Lord, I pray you'd open up the minds and hearts, help them be receptive tonight. God, I pray you'd be with us here in the sanctuary, Lord, as we prepare to look into the Word. God, just uh, meet with us here today. Father, be with our pastor and his wife as they travel. God, keep them safe as well. We want to say we love you tonight because you first loved us. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. All right, let's do our pledges tonight. Let's face the American flag, hand over your heart, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Let's do the Christian flag. Salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. If you have your Bibles tonight, grab that. Y'all ready? Put your hand over your Bible. If not, put it over your heart. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. All right, kiddos, y'all can head on out tonight. Y'all have a good time in your classes. He's ready. <laughs> Hang out in here till song service is over. All right, let's all stand all over the building tonight. We'll sing nothing but the blood. We'll do all four verses. If you need a songbook, it's in uh, hymn number 30 in your blue songbook. That's nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the 
thankful for the blood tonight. Say amen. Amen goes right there. Appreciate that tonight and thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. A few prayer, uh, prayer announcements or prayer requests I need to give to you tonight. As it was mentioned earlier on the telephone, if you got the message or if you got the text, pray for David Terry's mother. She's going through health problems there. Also Paula, Paula Stovall's father. Then Andy Wolf and Melissa Purdy's dad have passed away yesterday. So please uh, pray for the family there. Then Charlene Aldrich's mom is also battling some things. Remember Donald Wingfield as he's battling cancer. And then also pray for um, Dana Meddling, if you would. She needs prayer. She's battling some health issues that they're trying to figure out, really don't know what's going on, and she's losing a lot of weight. So uh, do, do be in prayer for Dana, if you would. David, if you and your wife come on and get ready to sing tonight, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Ask David and his wife if they would do a repeat from Sunday morning. I really enjoyed that song. And not that I'll enjoy all songs, but I was like, man, I sure would like to hear that again. So uh, they're going to come up and bless us again with that song tonight. And I appreciate their faithfulness and willingness to be able to do that tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you just for a time to come to your house tonight. And Lord, we pray, God, as we open up the Word of God and just look into your Word, God, I ask you would just uh, remove me out of the way. Father, use me as your mouthpiece. And God, I pray you'd bless David and his wife tonight as they get ready to sing. And Father, we pray over these prayer requests that was mentioned. Lord, I pray for each and every one that you would uh, have your will and way there. And God, we just want to ask you, Lord, just to meet with us here for a little while tonight. Father, just need a little pep rally, if you would. God, it's just good to be in your house. And Lord, just uh, give us something tonight from your word. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.
Appreciate that, brother. Thank you, thank you. Your wife makes you look good. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all stand together one more time tonight. We'll sing in the sweet by and by. We'll do the first and last verse. That's page 41 in your blue songbook if you care to grab one. That's in the sweet by and by. <laughs> We're good.
Appreciate your faithfulness and willingness to be used of God here and uh, filling in with Miss Renee's not here with us, traveling with the pastor. So, y'all pray for them as they're away from us. John in chapter number nine tonight. John in chapter number nine. As you're turning there tonight, um, just the book of John is one of my favorite books of the Bible to read. A lot of things happen, a lot of action goes on in the book of John, and within its pages, we can find the miracles of Jesus and what his earthly ministry was like while he was doing what God had sent him down here to do. Now, when you look through the book of John, um, some, some say that there are seven miracles found in the book of John. Others say there are eight. I kind of tend to lean toward the eight side, but I'm not going to split hairs with you. If you want to say it's seven, then it's seven. If you want to say it's eight, then it's eight. I don't have the time or energy to want to argue with you. We'll just agree and we'll go on. Because when you get to reading in it, it's all good. There's a whole, you know, there's more things in the book of John than, than the miracles, though the miracles are miraculous and marvelous and they're great. But there's a lot of things, a lot of stuff happens within the book of John. But I want us to focus in on chapter number nine tonight. And I uh, don't normally read the whole chapter, but I want to read, read it this time. That way um, we'll get the whole context of what we'll be looking at here tonight. Uh, just kind of just zone your mind in and let's pay attention to as we're reading the words. Because a lot of times when you're reading through the Word of God, well, I get going so fast. I'm sure y'all do too. We'll read over some of the smallest things that has some of the most major impacts as far as Scripture goes. And I hope we can point some of those out tonight. Beginning in verse number one, it said, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, <clears throat> and they which were before had seen him, that he was blind, said, is, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. 
Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who, say, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? Verse number 20, His parents answered them and said, We know, not that, th we know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who, he hath, who, or, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. Then again they called the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he do to thee? He opened he, how, how opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will you also be his disciple? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses as, For this fellow we, not, we know not where, whence, from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a, why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is? And yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, <clears throat> was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Then answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost teach, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus had heard, and Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees, which were with him, heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. A lot of verses, a lot of context to withhold there in those 41 verses here in chapter number 9 of the book of John. Like I said, you know, when it comes concerning the miracles in the book of John, we can, you can split hairs with people over 7 or 8. You see in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, Jesus turns the water into wine. Then if you go into John in chapter number 4, verses 46 through 54, Jesus heals the official son. Then in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18, Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. In John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, Jesus fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes. Then you go into John chapter 6, verses 15 through 25, Jesus comes walking on the water to those disciples that were out on the boat that night. John chapter 9, as we looked at it just a moment ago, Jesus heals the, the man born blind. In John chapter 11, 
verses 1 through 46, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Then that number eight one, that was seven. And the one that's considered another miracle was in John chapter 21, verses 4 through 11, when Jesus tells the men to cast their nets on the other side. And they have such a a catch that nobody could even hardly believe it. That could be considered the other miracle, which I tend to believe. I like that portion of Scripture anyway. But when we talk or study about being once blind, but now we can see, it's hard not to think about the beautiful song that we always sing around the church house is Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. You see, to the saved, once we were, there was a time in our life that we were blind to the purpose of life. We were blind to the promise of eternal life. We were blind to the provider of life. But now, thanks be to God that God has given us our sight. Our sight has been restored through salvation. We can see things. We can say, just like the blind man said in John chapter 9 and verse number 25, one thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. I mean, they berated him. They asked him over and over and over again, how'd you receive your sight? I already told you. How'd you receive your sight? Jesus healed me. He touched me. He, he put some clay and spittle on my, on my face. I went to Salome. I washed. Okay, so how did you receive your sight? Come on. I've already told the story one time. Now I got to tell it to you again. You're hearing me, but you're not listening. Jesus, Jesus did the healing. You see, when we read John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41 and meditate on it for a while, we see that his story is also our story. That's probably one of the reasons why John was not in a hurry to describe this miracle. He took his time. He used a whopping, if you would, 41 verses to describe this miracle and what took place. You see, when it comes to the other miracles, he only needed 12 verses to describe turning the water into wine. He used 15 verses to describe the pool of Bethesda, where the man was healed that had been lame for 38 years. He used 14 verses to describe the feeding of the 5,000. He uses six verses to tell us how Jesus walked on the water. Then you come to chapter number nine. He uses 41 verses to describe how a blind man receives his sight. John takes his time. He uses those 41 verses and describes this miracle, how Jesus found him, how Jesus cured him, and how Jesus matured him. That's what he uses here. When Jesus, what Jesus did physically for this blind man, he desires to do spiritually for us and give us sight, restore our sight. If we could see it from heaven's point of view, we would see our earth is populated by sightless people. There's blind people walking all over this earth. I'm not talking physically blind, though there is physically blind people. I am talking about spiritually blind people who are blind to the fact that God is still in control of this world, that he is still on the throne. You see, people get blinded by ambition. People get blinded by pride. People get blinded by success, if you would. People get blinded by bitterness. We get blinded by envy. We get blinded by strife. We get blinded by sin. We get so spiritually blind that we cannot see things that are right before our face. Matthew chapter 13, verse 13 says it like this. Seeing they see not, hearing they hear not. (laughs) We can be looking right at things. It happens to me all the time at work. Just the other day, we was working, and I knew knew Ed was going to need a certain tool to be able to do something with. And I mean, I'm looking and getting frantic, about ready to run to the truck. And I pause for a second, and I look right back down, and that tool was sitting right on top of the toolbox the whole time. (laughs) I'm like, it's sitting right here. 
I mean, it was right there the whole time. I done looked at it, stared at it. I guess I was just looking right through it. I had that Superman vision. I was looking at everything else but the, the one tool that we needed that was sitting right there. You see, spiritually blind people don't see the meaning of life or the love of God. They don't see those things. Why? They can't see those things. It's the Holy Ghost that reveals those things to us. Spiritually blind people don't see those things. That helps us to understand why our world is in such chaos these days. It should not, I mean, it, it bothers us, but it should not alarm us to see the chaos that is being spread worldwide over our world today. It really shouldn't, because as a child of God, we know that if you don't have the, the Holy Ghost indwelling inside of your being, then, then it's just anything goes. Unsaved people are doing what unsaved people do. They live like the world. They live for Satan. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every day of the year, that's what they do. They're lewd, lawlessness. I mean, it's everywhere. It is alarming. It is disturbing. It really shouldn't take us by surprise. How else can we explain the killing of the unborn, the gender confusion that goes on around our world today, the rising rates of suicide, the addictions, the divorces, the murders? How can we explain those things? People are spiritually blind. So much confusion these days. We know within the Word of God who tells us that the author of confusion is Satan himself. Everybody's confused. We can't figure things out these days. We're scared to say this. We're scared to say that. We don't know who's a boy or who's a girl. I mean, really? God settled that at the beginning. God settles that in the womb of the mother when that baby is put there. It's either a boy or a girl. Amen. <laughs> We're gender confused, and that's just a term they like to throw all around the world today. They want to make sure that everything, you know, it's okay. Confusion starts with Satan. We have some... We have smarter phones in our society. We have constant connection in our society. Everything is at the click of our fingers that we want to know about, and yet we are dumber than we have ever been. We have all the technology this world can give us, and we're, we're just a bunch of dummies out there these days. We're killing each other with our guns, and we're destroying ourselves with drugs, and it's all over. It's running rampant. This world needs Jesus. And it's our job as God's children to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Now, it may not work like it worked 30 years ago. We may have to come at it at a different angle, but the message is still the same. What can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Billions of people cannot see. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is working at his hardest. He's giving it all he's got because he knows his days are numbered. I mean, he's going at it with, with double-barreled shotguns. He's got his Gatling guns. He's loaded, and he's giving us everything he's got because he knows his time's coming to an end. He wants, to, he wants to blind the minds of them that don't believe. What we need tonight is for Jesus to do exactly what he did for that blind man. Restore our sight. That's what we need tonight. Let's get back into our text. Notice in verse number one. Let's pick it back up. Verse number one. It said, And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. Did you catch it? 
You see, that's the beginning of the chapter. A lot of times, beginning of the chapter, we just dive right in and we go out at 90 miles an hour. Let's slow down. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. If we're not careful, we'll read right through it. It said, he saw a man. Jesus saw him. Let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus saw him. No one else saw him at the present time. The disciples were with him. No doubt a multitude was following him. It said that Jesus passed by and he saw him. He saw a man that was blind from birth. See in verse number two, it said, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, Jesus saw him from a different point of view. No one else saw him. The disciples observed him. They saw him in passing. They saw him as a theological debate. Who sinned, Lord? His parents? Or this man, because he's blind. Of course, somebody had to sin. That's why this has been put upon him. They didn't see him as a human being, but a topic of discussion. But Jesus saw him. Jesus saw a man who was blind from birth, a man who had never seen a sunrise or a sunset, one who had never seen the beautiful colors in which we're able to see, a man who had dwelled in a very dark world. Others who were his age, they had jobs. They had learned a trade or a craft. But this man sat on the side of the road begging. Others had income. Others had money. He had no money. Others had reason to have hope. He had reason to despair. Then Jesus saw him, and we ought to say glory to God for that. <coughs> Excuse me. Aren't you thankful for the day that Jesus saw you? <laughs> I couldn't help but think of that when I got on that point tonight. But aren't you thankful for the day when Jesus saw you? Hey, I want to talk to you tonight if you're out there online and you're listening to us. If you're out there and you think you're invisible, if you think you're in despair, I have good, for you, good news for you tonight that Jesus sees you exactly where you are. If you're in here tonight and you're riding on that struggle bus and you're juggling things and you can't control the, the circumstances that's going on in your life, I want you to know tonight that you're not alone. You're not invisible. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees us on the side of the road and he makes the first move. He comes to us. Notice again in our text, verses 3, beginning in verse 3. After the disciples raised the question, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while this day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind, <clears throat> blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Jesus sees us on the side of the road and he makes the first move. He comes. He comes to us. He came to the blind man. He saw he had a need. Jesus came to meet that need. Kind of a strange way for the Savior to heal someone. Spit on the ground. Grab a little dirt. Make a little mud cake, if you will. And spread it over his eyes. Kind of odd. The Savior of the world. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. The King of glory. He's going to use some spit and some mud. One would think that Jesus would touch him and just look toward heaven and maybe raise his hands up and pray a great prayer and all of a sudden the man will receive his sight. Maybe while doing that, maybe one would think since Jesus is healing him, maybe a, a, a bunch of doves would go flying up into heaven. Maybe rainbows would cover the sky. Maybe an angelic course would come down and, oh, 
You know, they'd sing a great song, and all of a sudden the man's healed. That's kind of how we would think it would go, but not this time. Jesus has done many miraculous things, but none has ever involved spit and mud. This is the only time it's ever done. It's the only time he has ever used this avenue, if you would. Jesus' blessings can come in many different avenues. Some things, sometimes those blessings are initiated through the mud moments of life. We all have those mud moments of life, if you would. We don't look for blessings to come through layoffs and and letdowns and illnesses and loneliness and depression and loss. We're not looking for the blessing in those type of moments in our life. What we're looking for is somebody to pat us on the back and say, oh, poor piddle for you. But I'm here. I'm here to vouch that God works in mysterious ways and he can work through the mud moments in our life. Don't think for a moment that Jesus is oblivious to your struggle that's going on. It's just the opposite. He is using that struggle to reveal himself to you. And such was the case for the blind man. Jesus told him in verse number seven, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Being translated means sent. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Must have swallowed a gnat or something. Got awful dry up here real quick. Thank you, thank you. Man, that's about another hour's worth. (laughs) You want to take it back? (laughs) (laughs) wet the old whistle as they used to say but jesus is not oblivious to our struggle as he says in verse number seven go wash in the pool of siloam which means being sent you see the water of siloam was sent from an underwater spring you see in the book of john john has given us a little subtle point here that some 20 times thus far in the gospel of john he has referred to jesus as being sent by the father The pool of Siloam being interpreted means sent. He's referred to Jesus as being sent by the Father. In order for us to see, we need to go to our Siloam. We need to go to the sent one of heaven, Jesus himself. That's where we need to go. Hey, if we need some encouragement, we need to go to the pool of Siloam. We need to go to the sent one, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Access to Siloam was no easy stroll. You'd have to go down three hewn steps And in those steps was five steps each. Hard enough for somebody that could see, let alone for a man that can't see. And even if he could see, now he's got mud on his eyes. No doubt he probably had a person on each side trying to help him down the steps. But it was a hard path. It was a hard path to make. So when he gets to the edge of the water, he makes his way down there. He gropes and groans and, you know, he's trying to feel his way as they're probably leading him down the steps. And he gets to the edge of of the pool of Siloam there. Jesus told him to go wash. Still got the mud over his eyes. I can almost see it in my mind as this is taking place. And he kind of, maybe, maybe they got a hold to his arms. I don't know, but he gets down maybe on the knee and he begins to dip his hands down in the water once he feels and he kind of splashes away. Now I'm sure that mud's caked on pretty good through the heat of the day, the sun, whatever the case may be. And he's washing his face and all of a sudden his eyes may begin to open a little bit and he can all, already see the sparkle of the water where the sunlight's hitting it he's never saw that before and now he frantically maybe he's getting excited it's stirring up in him and he splashes some more and 
For the first time, he's seeing his fingers move and his hands move. I mean, we take these things for granted every day, but all of a sudden, a man that's never seen anything, now he's seeing his fingers. Now he's seeing his hands. He goes for another dip. He's splashing some more, trying to wash it all off, and he turns around. Now he's seeing human bodies, what he's, he's never seen before. He's only felt with his hands. He's seeing things he's never seen before because he's in obedience to Christ's command. He's doing exactly what Jesus said. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. You know, the question is often asked, what does someone need to do in order to be a follower of Christ? You see, the story within our text gives us the answer. The funny thing is, this blind man, he probably didn't know nothing about the virgin birth of Christ. This blind man, he probably didn't know anything about the Beatitudes of Christ. He didn't know anything about the meaning of the Holy Ghost. He didn't know anything about the doctrines of the Bible. There was a lot of things he didn't know. He didn't know the difference between a baptism and the Lord's Supper. He didn't have any of those things covered. The only thing he knew was that a man named Jesus made some clay, put it on his eyes, and told him to go wash, and now he can see. You see, in order for someone to get saved, you don't, know how, you don't have to know the Bible. All you need to know is Jesus. That's all you need to know. You need to know that Jesus died on Calvary's cross for your sins. He paid the sin debt that you owed. He didn't know that debt, but he paid it out of love. That's all you need to know. You can figure all that other stuff out later. First thing you need to do is get to know Christ. He wants to be your Savior. You need to accept him. Believe on him as your Lord and Savior. He received his sight, not because he earned it or deserved it. He received his sight because he trusted and obeyed the one who was sent to open his eyes. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter number 42, I'll read a couple of verses of Scripture to you. Isaiah prophesied of this. Chapter 42, verse number 6, he said, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand and will, and will keep thee and give, for, give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. He said, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Isaiah prophesied of this very thing. Jesus was sent from heaven to this earth to give us our sight back that we can see. I once was blind, but now I see. Jesus is still doing it today. He's still passing by. He's still seeing people. Hey, we'll look at people and we'll judge people, but Jesus looks at them from a different point of view. He's still restoring their sight. He promised that through his ministry in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. In the book of Acts in chapter number 26, when Paul or Saul of Tarsus has his encounter with Jesus at the road of Damascus, Jesus sent Paul to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Who better to turn, help other people turn from darkness to light than somebody that dwelled in it themselves and was saved? Christ came to this earth to give light and to give sight. The story of the blind man should be so relevant to all of us in here tonight. You see, once the blind man received sight, as we read through those 41 verses, we saw how many times he met resistance. 
I mean, the blind man standing there. I don't know how old he was. I don't know how long he was blind for. It just said from the time that he was born. <coughs> Sorry. It just said from the time that he was born. It should be relevant to us. He encountered resistance. Those David Downers of the day, those doubters, they were on every corner. Look at verses 8 and 9 again. It said, the neighbors therefore, and they which were before, had seen him, that he was blind, said, is, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. And then he stands up for himself and said, I am he. I mean, it's me. Look, it's me. I can see you. You can see me. It's me. I am he. That's what he was saying. Verses 20 and 21, they go again. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. I am he. Jesus touched me. I can see. There's the story. And they keep on asking. The religious leaders of that day, they were so blind. It turns out that he was not the only blind one in Jerusalem at that time. He was sitting on the side of the road begging, but he wasn't the only blind, blind man or blind person in this story. Look at verses 26 through 29. Then they said to him again, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. And we know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. You see, the religious leaders, they were blinded by their religion. A miracle had taken place right before their eyes in their very own community. Someone who they had seen day after day, sitting on the side of the road begging, trying to get as much help as we could. No doubt they probably walked by him, if not every day, at least once a week. Sometime during the month, they would probably step over him, make fun of him, have religious debates about him, but they never reached out to help him. The religious crowd just kept walking and walking over him. But when Jesus passed by, he saw him and he went and helped him. But you think it would have at least stirred their amazement that this blind man from birth now has sight? How did this happen? They saw nothing but themselves and their religion. So just who were the blind ones in this story? It would make us all wonder. You know, you get to thinking about it. It's not our littleness that hinders Christ, but it's our bigness. It's not our weakness that hinders Christ, but it's our own strength that hinders him. You see, it's not our darkness that hinders Christ, but it's our supposed light that holds him back. You see, when we get too big for our britches, Christ will step back. It's all right. You think you handle it on your own? Have at it. I'll hear from you in a week or two. Or maybe in a minute or two. Who knows? But in Luke and John chapter 9 and verse number 34, the leaders refused to see it. So they cast the blind man out. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And so they cast him out. The blind man who had been miraculously touched by God was thrown out of the temple by a bunch of blind religious leaders who were more interested in their traditions than they were that God had performed a miracle right before their eyes. They were so worried about traditions of men and their Moses click, if you would, that they wouldn't even 
recognize that the prophet, that the prophesied Messiah was walking and talking right there with them. They couldn't see it. They were so blind. They were so blind to the things of, of their own volition, if you would. Jesus got word of what had took place, and he went and found the man. Christ was not about to leave this man unprotected, and you can expect the same for yourself. Jesus promised he'd never leave us nor forsake us, that he'd always be there for us, be there with us. Whatever you go through in life, if you're a born-again believer, whatever you go through in life, Christ is with you because you got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, he even reminds us twice that no man is able to pluck us out of our Father's hands. He said, my Father and I, which are one, no man is able to pluck you out of my hand. Amen. You see, in this life, people may disown you. Your family may reject you. The religious establishment may kick you out. But Jesus will find you, and he will guide you. Jesus will be there. Let's go back to our text in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be blind. You see, in our text tonight, the story begins with the blind man seen by Christ, and it ends with the blind man worshiping Christ. And this is Jesus' desire for all mankind, that we would receive our sight and worship him for such a great blessing, for such a great gift, for such a wonderful free gift. You see, apart from Christ, we are blind. We cannot see our future. We cannot see our purpose. We cannot see our way out of problems and pain. But we cannot see Jesus. But thanks be to God that Jesus sees us and he knows everything about us. It is not his will that we stumble blindly through this life. Our vision matters to Christ. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know why we are here. He wants us to know where we are going. Jesus wants us to know what it's like to be a child of God. Jesus wants us to be a child of God. I know I'm speaking to the same crowd tonight. But Jesus will do whatever it takes to get us to see, even if it requires a little spit and a little mud. He'll do whatever it takes. Aren't you thankful for the day that Jesus saw you? Well, I'm thankful for the day that he passed by. I love that old song, he's still passing by. But man, I'm thankful for the day that he saw me. Had just turned 13 years old. He already had his eyes on me. Holy Ghost had been convicting me all over the place. I was just running from it. 13 years old, I received Christ as my Savior. And I'm thankful for it for every day. But Jesus will do whatever it takes to get us to see, even if it requires a little spit and a little mud. Let's all stand together here tonight. He coming into this world to give us our sight. What a great story. Many more things we could dig into there in chapter number nine. But I just about couldn't get past verse number one. I had to make myself keep on going. I'm thankful for the day that he saw me. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, just for the time we was able to get into your word. 
God, if this message didn't encourage nobody else, it encouraged myself. And Father, I thank you, Lord, just for the day that you saw me. God, I hope that many of us in here tonight can hit the rewind button and go back to that day when you saw us. God, what a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for eternal life. We thank you, Lord, tonight that it's only the blood that can wash away our sins. Nothing else can. We thank you for your son, Jesus. God, the sacrifice that was made on Calvary's cross. Lord, may we never lose sight of it. Father, may it always be special to us. May we never forget the day that we ask Christ to come into our heart and save us. God, we love you tonight, and we are thankful, Lord, for our church family. Father, for the prayer request mentioned here tonight, Lord, we pray over David, Ter David Terry's mom, Paula Stovall's dad, Charlene Aldrich's mom. God, we pray over Donald Wingfield tonight. And God, I ask, Lord, you just have your will and way on those things. Dana Medlin, Lord, and Father Andy Wolf and his sister Melissa, their daddy passing. God, I pray you be with the family in the days to come. God, many things take us by surprise, Lord, but I'm often reminded that nothing ever takes you by surprise. And whatever we go through life, whatever we face in life, you've already given the okay. And Father, you promised you'd go through it with us. God, we love you tonight. Thank you for a Wednesday night Bible study. God, be with our pastor and Miss Renee as they travel. God, we're looking forward, Lord, to what you're going to do here on Sunday. And Father, our upcoming days ahead, Lord, the singing groups we have coming in. Father, the drama practices are going on. And Father, for the time that the drama will be performed, Lord, we pray, God, you'll use it once again. Father, we love you. We thank you for our church. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that you love us. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Y'all have a good night.